folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 189 of Woo. Channel Massive. We are alive. We are. I'm Noah. And I'm Mark. We are your super duper double dynamic duo hosts for this episode of Channel Massive. There are a couple of gut reaction pre introduction discussion topics that I'm going to throw at Mark unplanned. They're not oh, no. in the show notes. <laughs> oh, no. But that should ensure that we don't spend too much time on them. But we, we want to talk about it because it's stuff that's gone on in the last week. At least I want to talk about it, and hopefully Mark will not yeah. just spit at me as we do this discussion. Damn you, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> well, since you're so interested in it, why don't you answer your own questions? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but before I get into my, my surprise elements... We do have some listener feedback we're going to get into. We're going to tell you what we've been playing this last week. And the roundtable topic of discussion, of course, has to be the rise and the fall of the Steam console that just gathered Steam, gathered Steam, pun intended, and then all of a sudden, oh, just kidding, not happening. Sprung a gasket. Yes. Thank you for continuing the metaphors. I was working puns. on it. Yes. And we, we, we might have a little bit of a, an extra discussion on Blizzard's latest, oh my gosh, what the hell's going on over there? Move that they've they've just they've managed to come up with about one of these a week yeah. for the last month or so. So we're gonna have to talk about that as well. But first of all, what I wanted to touch on, well, I guess there are there are two things, but the first one that's coming to my mind is Mass Effect Three has come out, and neither Mark nor I. I've <laughs> played Mass Effect 1 or 2, right. but if you subscribe to any gaming sites out there or anything in the gaming press, even mainstream press has been talking about it, the game has been getting incredible superior scores across the board, much like Skyrim did Yeah, uh, late last year. And I was curious what Mark's reaction was to this, and I was curious, Mark, do you did, did this get you... Did this rekindle or maintain any interest you have in the series or make you want to go and play the first games? Yeah, I really did kind of... I mean, I, I, I've always felt bad that I've kind of slighted Mass Effect 1 and that I, I gave it like 15 minutes worth of gameplay and then got distracted by the next you know shiny object that came across, which I don't remember what that was. But I, <laughs> something shiny... Maybe a penny. Yeah, but um, I've always wanted to get back to it, and I've always, you know, I, I loved what they did with the interface on uh, Dragon Age Origins um, and uh, on Dra Dragon Age 2. The difference between that was, I think, based on um, what they learned with the Mass Effect series, and it was more of a Mass Effect-like interface. So I'm sure I would really like to, you know, play Mass Effect 1 and 2, and then 3 comes out and it's getting these great reviews, 
um, which I find to be really interesting. I think it's still interesting, this phenomenon you see on Metacritic where the critics give it an incredibly awesome, you know, series of reviews from sites, you know, all these different sites with all these different angles with their own, you know, dislikes and, and everything, their own, mm-hmm. you know, their own garbage, their own, you know, their garbage, you know, but then the users that start to post initially, it's almost always the trolls that come out first. And so you get like all these negative, um, you know, critiques from the users and then slowly, it seems like slowly but surely more people start to post and you start to get more positive reviews. And it, it seemed like, I think it happened with Skyrim, although maybe not quite to the extent just because Skyrim was such a, you know, universal success story, but it certainly happened with um, Star Wars, the old Republic because I was paying really close attention. And the only consensus I came to was the people that liked Star Wars, the old Republic were, actually just playing the game and weren't taking the time to troll about it. So, you know, <laughs> that's why it was yes. all negative initially. Um, and a lot of people were really upset about the way the pre-order went down with that. But this thing with Mass Effect 3, I mean, there's still more negative um, reviews than positive reviews, although the numbers are very close. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's rekindled my interest in playing, especially because I love all the other Bioware titles, and yeah. you know, I've played all the Dragon Age stuff th- through to completion. So I would love to uh, kind of take it in a, you know, more of a sci-fi kind of uh, yeah. direction. Yeah. Although I'm currently getting that um, Bioware love from Star Wars, right? You know, the Old Republic um, right now. But I think like once I get to level 50 in that game and have, you know, kind of exhausted the the content. Um, then it, that may well be what I move on to is going through, you know, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. So we'll see. For me, I, I'm kind of there with you, potentially even more uh, even more sensitive to this hype because I was saying to you earlier this year, Mark, that it's like, oh, man, it would be so cool if we could get through Mass Effect 1 and 2 before 3 comes out. Wouldn't that be a great motivator? Like, oh, wait, crap, the, the game comes out in a few weeks. <laughs> Yeah, there was like it was a realization that there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> no, no, but I think I'm going to try to commit myself to getting through all the Mass Effect games this year. I don't know how long that's going to take. I haven't played through an RPG in years, so it's kind of intimidating. I mean, aside from the MMOs I've played, but I don't really feel like that's a traditional RPG, so I don't know. Well, one thing they have going for them is they don't have that barrier to entry totally horrible interface that a lot of RPGs have. That's um so And they only know, get better with each one and they get more shootery. Right. And they're gonna have that great story too that's yeah, gonna that consequences that go all the way back right. to the first game. That's right. what intrigues me the most. Right. And that's what I love about Western developed RPGs. I mean I miss every once in a while there's some really great Japanese RPGs coming out on Wii this year of all systems. They're Really, really great ones, and I'm I feel kind of obligated to go check those out again as a original JRPG fan. But tell you what, Mass Effect Three, it's so sucking me in. So we'll see. We'll <laughs> keep tabs on my progress this year on the show. Would you say it's calling to across space and time? Yes, okay. it is. Okay. <laughs> Next question announced this week: new iPad, iPad Three. Does it make you want to get one, or are you still me? I want to get one for my wife. Um, Oh. oh, it brings out the the benevolent uh, side of me, I suppose, because I think she's heavily invested in apps for her iPhone 
before. Yeah. And it just seems like if she had the iPad, it would be, you know, the definitely the web surfing's better, the reading's better. Um, she could use all those apps that she has, and the new resolution on it is just insane. Sure. So. Yeah, I've got to see that in person. That's something I have to see because you can't see it on your computer monitor. You can't see it's not the same. Right. The right. Resolution is going to be exactly the same, and the color saturation, all the other stuff that's supposed to be improved, isn't going to be the same. And what's in, what's funny is for me is that I was think I was planning on getting one because when I think of iPad, I have two two people I think of. One is a group of people, one is a specific person, and the group of people are all the uh, elitists at my work who immediately went and ran out and got one, right. the very first one when it came out, and they're bringing it around to all of their meetings as if they were like on the cutting edge of business, and I'm like, fuck off, <laughs> <laughs> because I kind of don't like Apple that much. You, you said I, fuck I off as, re- you, as you whipped your Palm Pilot out of your pocket and started to. <laughs> no, that's to, the thing uh, is, you know, I haven't <laughs> got a smartphone until like in the last month. So right, right. I'm just really crotchety late adopter to this type of stuff. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to finally get an iPad. It's, it's important for my career to see what, to really entrench myself in a UI that people think is just so divine and well right. thought out, even though I know it's going to grate against my need for control which is why I got a Droid instead of an iPhone. But I, I got to do it, and I got to say, I'm kind of intrigued about it from a gaming perspective. Well, here's an here's a counter to your um, unexpected litany of questions. Um, <laughs> there's a um, you know Gaikai has announced today. I think that they're going to you're going to be able to play um, Lotro online or Lord of the Rings online and um, Dungeons and Dragons online and a bunch of other games on their their platform. Weird. But their platform is apparently browser-based, one of which is Safari. So if you had a, a iPad 3, would you get a Gaikai subscription so you could play you know, cloud-based <laughs> PC games on your iPad 3? Uh, I can't imagine that a system without any USB output is going to be what I want to play an MMO on. Yeah, I have no idea how that would work unless there's some Bluetooth miracle device of some sort. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I it's an interesting thing though that, to see that that it's it like is. The, I... the browser doesn't matter. They have it for IE, um, they have it for Firefox, for Chrome, and for Safari. Well, really, isn't and, it just a browser playing a video? Yeah, it's like a video, well, it's just streaming video, isn't it? Yeah, but with the input too, though somehow that's true, and, and super low latency. So um, if you have I'm, a megabits per second connection, yeah, yeah, and you'd want to have a killer wireless connection. I don't imagine you'd want to do it with uh, 3G or whatever. But um, <laughs> anyway, I just I don't know if that would be interesting to you or not. I I personally uh, find it fascinating tech- technologically, but I still yeah. just like having it local and on my you know, my own, you know, gaming rig. Yeah, man, I love my gaming rig, and it's yeah definitely thanks to you because you helped me make something really cool. Mark is my personal computer hardware advisor. That's right. <laughs> and and I put fun. my money where my mouth is because I have the exact same rig he does. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah. That's right. So Mark's the man for that. But getting back to my story about the iPad, so there's two people, people I think of. The people in my work who have been trotting around with iPads have not convinced me that I need to join the flock, so to speak. Right. But Scott from the South, Southern Scott, 
had one at our trip to PAX in Seattle last year. And it was really cool. I mean, it wasn't like revolutionary. It didn't like change our vacation, but it was very right. useful during the vacation. And it was kind of cool. And he was taunting me playing his little Evil Dead tower defense game while I read books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Once we got done with playing League of Legends. Um, How archaic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so primitive. I told you. Primitive. Um, but it's just like ever since then, I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. And Scott's cool. So I have like a cool person association with it now that's not the the – fancy people at my work. So I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it's like, I bet this new version would be pretty cool. And it's like, eh, it's still expensive. I don't oh, know if yeah. it's enough to justify that kind of a price. It's expensive. It's ungodly expensive. And then if you go with the, you know, the, uh, you know, like a wireless provider account, you know, to have, you know, to use the, the cell cellular. Um, oh God. Yeah. It's then it's, you know, got a monthly fee attached to it that you can, you can always turn it on or off at least. You know, you don't have to have that, but um, and then there's you know the question of how much um, you know RAM you want because it's not like the uh, the Android tablets where you can you know throw in little SD cards or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it just is the way it is, and that's the way it is. Yeah. So um, you know, those things get pretty pricey, but they are they are you know they are the European sports car of uh, yeah pad, pad devices. Just like yeah. their laptops are the. Another thing that's kind of sits in the back of my mind, and I did not even expect this, is that the what I've seen, and I was initially against it, but what I've seen from the consumer preview of Windows 8 makes it pretty damn intriguing. I was like, you know, uh, it would be cool to see a, a solid tablet running Windows 8. Yeah. Would it be as good as iPads OS? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, I, I saw a really great comparison of the two different interfaces, I think on Gizmodo or, or some website, maybe it was The Verge, I don't know. But they did a really good job of showing some of the gestures that are required on iPad versus Windows 8. And some of it was really, like, dumb <laughs> on the iPad, where, like, if you wanted to switch between apps, you have to have all four fingertips on the screen and you swipe it to the right or the left. Huh. And it's like, that makes no sense to me at all that I need to use all four of my fingertips. So it's just like, there's just some random, like, Oh, we haven't figured out a gesture for this. What, what else do we have that we can, let's do like a tiger swipe <laughs> switch between <laughs> applications. <laughs> Give it a nice roar. claw. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, I know. That's kind learning of curve. Yeah. iPhones have a very different interface, as I'm sure you know very well, Mark. Oh, yeah. Between Droid. Well, my, my second iPhone, and I have a Droid that I don't do much with. So, yeah, yeah. it is weird. It's it's different, you know. I don't know. I'm There's also some really compelling, um, you know, Droid tablets that are out that are less expensive and the there it seems like the gap in quality is is becoming uh narrower yeah. narrower by far and you know when you look at the fact that the the droid tablets are more expandable in general or you know you can more easily expand them um it's you know it it makes for a difficult kind of decision yeah. and the other thing is that you have a droid phone so any app you buy would be applicable to both platforms, right? Oh, that's true. Whereas if you got an iPhone or an iPad, then it's, you know, you have to, you have to. It's its own little walled garden. 
It is. It's it's definitely it's very much its own walled garden with a roof. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So my last know, surprise not... question for you. Yeah. Peter Molyneux, creator of Black and White, and, White. and Fable, Fable. And yeah. Lionhead Studios, has announced during GDC in a typically dramatic fashion. Guess what? I'm quitting Lionhead Studios, and I'm going to go form a third studio after forming Bullfrog and then Lionhead, both oh, of wow. which were bought out. The first one was bought out by EA because of Populous. The second one was bought out by Microsoft for Fable and stuff. Now he's making another one. He's going. He's running off with his CTO from Lionhead to make 22 cans is the name of the developer. They haven't said anything else about it besides that. What do you think? You think it's like, yay, bad, indifferent? Well, I'm I'm not your normal um, uh, Peter Molyneux fan because I've liked his I've liked his games um, as as he as time progresses. The newer games he makes, I like less than the previous ones. So like I thought, Populous was awesome. I like I I bought Black and White and kind of liked it. And then Fable, I have Fable One and don't really dig it very much. So I'm starting to I'm seeing him on kind of a a downward um, trajectory for enjoy game enjoyment for myself. Well, as a lot of other people thinks he's they seem to think he walks on water and stuff. So I'm not too excited about it, um, really. No. Yeah, you, I think yourself he's like. He's he's really fun to watch talk, but he's the master of overstatement. Yeah, and definitely. He he's learned because he was really bad about really bad about that with Black and White and Fable, not so bad with Fable Two, and he was kind of marginalized. He wasn't as loud during Fable Three, which was good. I think he learned his lesson. Now they're making really crappy spinoff games for Fable, like this Fable the Journey thing, where you're driving a horse carriage around everywhere with Connect, and then this Fable Party game called Fable Heroes. So oh, I can get wow. why he's like, this kind of sucks. This isn't probably what he wants to do. So he's like, he probably wants to get out from out from under Microsoft's thumb and the obligation of making more cheesy Fable games. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm i definitely going to have to reserve judgment. I, I think it's probably better in the long run if given the most recent stuff we're seeing that's coming out of Lionhead that I mean these this Fable the Journey and Fable Heroes aren't really compelling to me. Yeah. Uh, I can't say, I, I feel similar to what you say though is that the original the coolness of the ideas have kind of gone downhill and we've kind of been burned by all like and you're going to be able to do this and you're going to be able to do this and it's just like yeah actually you can do half of those things which is still cool. Right. You know, I, I was just looking at some of the titles from Bullfrog, and it's like, yeah, Populous was awesome. Um, Syndicate was something I... Oh, that came from oh, Yeah, a whole ton of time on. Dungeon Keeper came Did from you them. Get Syndicate game, by the way? I mean, you remember... I remember you mentioning that you were excited about it about a month ago. Uh, no, I haven't picked it up yet. I <laughs> talked to some guys that um, I've been playing it and think it's pretty cool, um, but uh, I, and I haven't bought it yet. I'm it's not like the original game. It's not strategy so much as a shooter, but yeah, the original was just strange and cool. And you know, I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I could be wrong. Maybe it'll be, um, you know, every every much as good as the original, but <laughs> probably not. <laughs> so, 
But anyway, yeah, that's an interesting question. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, his stock is definitely not on the rise with me. I, I don't want to say he's overrated or anything like that, but because the guy's no, done so much tough, stuff. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's kind of like um, bashing um, Richard Garriott, you know, it's like I bashed, I've bashed him on a few podcasts and I always feel bad about it because I'm like, oh man, the guy is the same guy that, you know, gave me the Ultima series and, you know, kind yeah. of. You know, Ultima was the first really, you know, the really cool uh, open world MMO, you know, I mean, that was just, you know, had no rules and stuff. And, you know, all the, uh, you know, Ultima Online, that is, and then all the, the different games that he that he got going that I just, you know, I was a huge fan of his. And he's, you know, he's truly a an industry luminary, but then he does crazy, says crazy shit, you know, like mobile gaming is going to take off and all consoles will be destroyed or something, you know, <laughs> I paraphrase that badly, but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you still, you still can't deny what these people have done. It's just, yeah, they have a legacy that's definitely worth respecting. Right. Right. You know, who am I to, you know, cast doubt about that, but geez, you know, <laughs> yeah, they are, they are, who they, they are what they are, I guess. Yeah. All right, well, that's the last of my surprise attack. Surprise! So, which uh, took a little bit longer than I expected, but that's okay. I'll get better at this. And Well, you also launched your polymorphic uh, uh, bi- virus attack on my computer at the exact same time, so the surprise was pretty good. You know? <laughs> now it's just showing me zebra porn over and over again. So, I am surprised. <laughs> good. Hopefully yeah, yeah. in a pleasant way, aside from the polymorphic Zebra porn yeah <laughs> could do yeah, that that's what i would love to be. I, i'm sure that we would love to talk about anything that you have to say on these topics and send those thoughts into our email which is found at mail m-a-i-l at channelmaster.com whether you want to talk about the ipad or peter molyneux or mass effect 3 tell us That'll be part of next week's show. But for now, let's get into your feedback about last week's show. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Last week we had Jason on the show, which several of you were very excited about, left some great encouraging and enthusiastic comments about Jason's presence over on the website. Thank you very much. I'm sure that Jason appreciated it as much as we did. And I do apologize for the funky sound and volume issues. They were beyond my skill set <laughs> to be able to fix in my new audio software that I'm using. I'm just not quite adept at it yet, but Mark and I will be working on it. The This show is it's being recorded over Skype, so if you hear anything weird in it, blame Skype. That's what I would say. <laughs> Right, right. But we also got some really good feedback from Julian on the topic that we spoke about 
both last week and also the week before, the whole Bioware Heplergate, the writer Jennifer Hepler getting jumped and stomped on when she set up her Twitter account because as a writer who had some controversial ideas for Bioware games, she was viewed as the quote-unquote cancer that's killing Bioware. Julian brought up a really good point. He said, in response to what you're saying about Ms. Hepler, I think you may have taken the fast-forward combat that she suggested a little literally. If that were the case, then she does merit some of the more leveled criticism that has been thrown her way. But I think Mass Effect 3 is actually what she meant in practice. From the outset of the game, you can choose to play it in story mode. This mode yeah. allows players to make all the role-playing and story decisions they normally would, but makes combat much easier. A Bioware developer went so far as to explain that dying in this mode is practically an impossibility. Wow. It's much higher, enemies go down a lot faster. In essence, you're breezing through combat much more easily. So the mode is a fast-forward through combat, normal speed through story. Mass Effect 3 also includes a combat mode, where players make no decisions and the story is played out for them, but their combat experience is the full one, with adjustable difficulty settings. And, of course, there's the normal mode where the game is as it was for Mass Effect 2, gameplay-wise. What do you guys think about these multiple options for players? I've read a lot of criticism about it, but as long as it doesn't affect my core Mass Effect experience, what does it matter if a Call of Duty fan plays through the action mode or Hepler decides to play story mode? Isn't that isn't more choice better for everyone? And then, plus, he had a PS. Captain Jacques, that's... Captain spelled out normally, and then Jacques, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S, no space, Captain Jacques, is my League of Legends summoner name if anyone feels like playing alongside a smart-ass Heimerdinger and as many turrets. Um, you know what's funny about that name of his, Captain Jack, which thank you for spelling it out. I have seen that name like in literature and in general in the, in the, in the open world for years and years and years and never knew how to pronounce it. And today I looked it up and you're supposed to pronounce it Zach. What? Yeah. The J-A-C-K-U-E-S thing. It's French. Yeah. It's, it's, but the, the phonetic is like Zach. Z-H, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. So I've always like in my mind as I read it said like Zach. So it was really a, it was a major revelation for me, probably not for anyone else on the planet. I was, I was really fascinating that that's how you actually pronounce it. So, so, now so I know. I'm glad that Julian brought up the whole story mode thing, because I think we talked about it and I totally forgot about it in context of talking about Jennifer Epler. No, it's an awesome thing. I had, I didn't know it had that. I mean, it, this, um, this post or you know him writing in about this is the first I'd heard of that, and I think it's an awesome thing because, yeah, there are people that want that are all about the story. Sometimes I I'm all about the story in these oh, yeah. Bioware games, um, and but sometimes I really like to revel in the combat too. You know, I it yeah. just depends on how much I like the combat system. If it's The Witcher one, I definitely would have liked to have been able to have done pure story mode because the combat sucked so hard in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, but if, if the mode had been to where it was all about the combat and you had to just kind of go on rails for the story, it would have killed me. So, you know, I think this is a great option. D- different people like to play games different way. And I think for me, it'd be the balanced option personally, you know, yeah. where combat's not insanely hard, but, um, you know, you have choices in the story too. 
it did make it, it gave me pause when I first read about it because I thought, wow, I am definitely most interested in the story, but I never have played Mass Effect 2 because I still need to finish the first one. But I'd read so many great things about the more action-oriented shooter-style cover-based combat that Mass Effect 2 implemented, which Mass Effect 3 continues on. That's like, well, I don't know if I want to avoid that, but I suppose once I get through Mass Effect 2, fingers crossed, that I'll have a qualified opinion about whether I want to play Mass Effect 3, the only game in the trilogy that has the story option, in story mode or in normal mode. I doubt that I'd play all action mode, though, because I don't want... That's the be- That's the, the most appealing thing about Mass Effect, is being able to choose how the story goes. And I would yeah. want the game choosing for me. No. Positive option, negative option, whatever, and it just is a wash. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's absolutely not what I would want to do. But it's cool. It's, I think it's a great thing. And maybe yeah. Mrs. Hepler got her wish. <laughs> Yeah, it would be interesting. I, I would love to see some follow-up on it because something that I didn't see in the many reviews I've read for Mass Effect 3 in the last few days, no review has addressed that story mode. They've talked hmm. about how much they hate the multiplayer mode, right? which is a significant portion of the game, but nobody said anything about, like, what if we try this brand-new option that's never been provided in a Bioware RPG before? Nobody's addressed it. It drives me nuts. So if anybody yeah, out there has played it and tried it, let me, would you let us know? And send yeah. it into mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmaster.com. So slick we are. <laughs> we are. We are ready to rock. I guess I got some feedback from that um, episode that I did when I was really sick. And they said, you could really tell Mark was off his game when he was doing the mail thing. Because it was like M-A-I-L. <laughs> so <laughs> I, go, I had no idea it was that bad. But <laughs> anyway. Yeah, you're doing better though, right? Yeah, you've been dealing oh, yeah. with sickness, illness around you quite a bit oh. these last few weeks. No, thankfully it's all trivial illness, you know. But <laughs> this flu has just been just awful. Yeah, tired of it. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much, Julian, and all the people who wrote in in the comment section. We always love to hear from you, and we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Now we're going to get into what we've been playing. So, Noah, yes. what have you been playing? What have I been playing? I I don't think I've played League of Legends in the last week, which is kind of weird. I've been playing this bad uh, Professor Layton ripoff game on 3DS because I have to review it, which means I haven't been able to play Resident Evil Revelations on 3DS, which is actually really good. Oh, last nice. night... Yeah, so it's my 3DS is not an enjoyable game experience right now. I downloaded this really cool tower defense game that I don't think that you'll like, Mark, oh. on my phone, though, called Anomaly Warzone. Hmm. And it's called Tower Offense. So oh, it's wow. kind of... It's the, it's the type of tower defense game where you follow a path versus you make a maze of towers. But oh, the thing yeah. is... is you're following the path, and the towers are the aliens that oh, you wow. have to kill. And you actually, the, you can you first start off by deciding how the path will wind through the roads of Baghdad, where all these aliens have come and landed and created this giant force field. You're inside this bubble dome force field the aliens have created, 
and you have to route your you have to plan your route through the neighborhoods of Baghdad, ideally going past as many alien towers as you can, and then shooting at them and destroying them, while also trying to deploy heels and smoke screens and decoys to keep your squad alive. And then you oh, earn wow. money by destroying the towers so you can add additional units to your uh your little platoon as it goes through the town. It's really cool. It's pretty I'm looking at the screenshots now. It does look really cool. And it yeah. looks like you can get it for all kinds of different um platforms. Yeah, I think PC it's on demo, Steam. Steam, Android, um Mac, App I iPhone, um Xbox three sixty Wow, yeah, Xbox three sixty. Wow. One thing they don't list is a PlayStation. So sorry, Noah. <laughs> Can't have it every way possible. Just oh. almost every way. I do like it on my Android. I think it's a really good game for my Android because I've read that it's kind of short, apparently, that you can get through it kind of quickly, which is ideal for a downloadable game. I don't necessarily have too many complaints about that. So oh, yeah. I only paid, like, I think five bucks for it or whatever, which was fine by me to have a really cool, high-quality game with really great graphics, great voice acting, and a fun gameplay conceit within the tower defense subgenre that I haven't experienced before. So definitely yeah. recommend that. Check it out. I think that's, I think that's pretty damn cool. To check that out. Other than that, last night I, I got SSX, even though my time with the demo didn't make me really enthralled with it. But it's started to grow me. It's hard. It's really hard. And I can tell that the game is rubber banding me to victory because I've been in some races where like such and such is in front of you by 12 seconds and then like oh, out of nowhere. And I'm not taking any shortcuts. I'm barely trying to stay alive while I'm coming down the mountain out of nowhere. They're right in front of me all of a sudden. And then I pass them and then I get first place. I'm like, okay, this is bullshit. I just told <laughs> did this really bad run that I should probably do like 12 more times so that I'm actually confident and good at it. And yet I just won. So Aside from that, which I'll, I'll begrudgingly accept because it keeps giving me new stuff to explore, so that's cool, new borders to play as, uh, it's it's not too bad. It's still not as cool as Tricky. It doesn't oh, have yeah. any personality, which is what I loved about SSX 1 and 2. Well, right. But it's it's got some pretty cool track design, and it's still fun in spite of itself, I suppose I should say. It's kind of a backhand <laughs> compliment. Despite but, itself. <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm not getting rid of it. I was thinking, I'm like, I might just like not even pick up my pre-order and just put the money towards someone else. So this is further than I planned to have gone. Played a little bit more of Catherine with my buddy Chris, who he requested that we play that last night first, and I kept putting it off. I'm like, let's play SSX. Let's check out this other downloadable game, and let's play this too. And I'm sure he was wondering, just like, does he not remember what the hell I said? And then we right. played Catherine which has all that block pushing. And sure enough, he's like, I hate this. I don't want to play this anymore. This is really? just pissing me off. Yeah. He, get, he got really, really frustrated with it. And so then I'd take the controller and I'd be able to get us through the block pushing frustration. And then I'd give the controller back to him to play the story sections, which are what's a lot more interesting in the game for both of us. And he was okay. Then we get to a block section and he tried and he'd keep dying and keep dying. And he'd just make some snide remark and then hand me the, I'd take the controller from him. Like, let's continue. You wanted to play this. And he's the one that's really good at platforms, right? 
Or, he's pretty. Yeah, he's pretty good um, at all kinds <clears throat> of games. Huh. Yeah, and it's like when we were playing Uncharted, I would do the gunplay stuff, and then he would do the platforming stuff, and that's how we played through a lot of that. But this is this game, especially because there's like I think eight or nine levels or worlds of block pushing, and there's like anywhere from mm. two to four stages in each of those of block pushing. Right. And the learning curve goes sharply up uh, quickly once you get to the love world five, which is where I'm at. I'm stuck because it just requires oh, far too much. Okay, if I push this block out, then these thirty blocks will fall down, and that will open a path over to here. And then I need to push this one and this one. Oh my gosh! I'm like, well, my brain's not that smart. <laughs> it's a crapshoot. It's just luck. I think not, a, not Gary Kasparov, the chess master. No. 14, 14 moves ahead of the. Unfortunately, yeah, that sounds not. <laughs> Sorry. And played a little bit Arkham City. Yeah, what do you think of that? You know what's cool about that game is that as it's a sequel, and I, I think it's really cool when people recognize you're playing a sequel. We're not going to put you through this super long, super detailed tutorial. Like, wait, you're not going to do anything cool because we need to tell you how to jump. We need to tell <laughs> you how to climb a ladder. It's just like it really throws you in almost to the point where I'm like, what the hell? I, I, I wasn't controlling the game well. Oh, I wasn't wow. controlling the camera well. I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to glide kick down into foes on the street, and then I'd end up using my little grappling hook and be, zip right past him. And it was funny because the thugs would be like talking amongst themselves, be like, like, oh, my God, it's Batman. And then like I would accidentally be zipping right back up to the, the top of the skyscraper. It's going to like, nope, you didn't see me. But, you know, they'd see me. It's like oh, I come geez. down try to hit them and it's like crap now i'm like zip lining back up to the top of the building again it just oh. it yeah i'm crazy. not i'm not a huge fan of the zip lining in those games but the combat's really fun for me i don't know yeah they did such a good job <clears> of it. it's like watching a movie playing those batman games yeah it really is it's it's a it's a blast and that's another one i've been meaning to play and finish but who knows so that wraps me up how about you mark um, so mine's just been, uh, Star Wars, The Old Republic, um, I think I got to level 37, and, um, it's, you know, it's kind of slowing down, I, I changed the, uh, the spec for my, um, character, who's a Sith warrior, I went from the, he's a juggernaut, and I went from the, um, immortal spec, which is, like, super tanky defensive, to, like, a rage spec, which is more DPS-based, and, things were really hard for me to survive. And so um, I went back to the immortal spec and I'm much happier, even though it takes a little <laughs> longer for me to kill stuff. At least I survive and I can, you know, I can juggle like multiple elites of, you know, almost my level, you know, well, maybe by multiple, I mean two, no more than two. <laughs> I, can, I can, I can do a lot better um, with that, maybe just because it's what I played from the beginning and maybe I just don't know what I'm doing with the rage version, but, or the vengeance version either. Um, but, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm in my comfort zone as a tanky Sith warrior juggernaut. Um, so I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying the story. There's, there's, I've run into just a couple of little, like kind of, um, you know, non, they're non critical to the story, um, arc, little arcs, you know, that have been really fun and enjoyable. And so I'm, I'm kind of liking that, that even at the later levels, I'm still running into some really good writing, you know, as far as the, mm -hmm. the game goes. So that's been enjoyable. 
Um, and I've been playing some League of Legends. I've uh, I tried that new uh, the new champion out the uh, Nautilus. Like no, not that, not quite that new. The fencing lady. Um, oh, her. With, yeah, what is yeah. her name? Fiora. It's Fiora. I keep I kept wanting to call her Fiona, and I was like, no, she's not Fiona. Um, Fiora. Yeah, I tried her out and actually kind of enjoyed it, but. Every time I play in a, a diff- oh, and I played some Kogma too. You'd be proud of me. Um, didn't do well at all, but I tried. Um, <laughs> and I, well, I was like, I just kind of want to know what Noah goes through with this guy, and and also, will I be number one if I play? <laughs> that was not number one. Um, but it was kind of fun to try him out and just kind of understand what he how he how he works and stuff. Um, and I really do like it when you die. It is so like good for your soul to be able to chase down people and explode oh. after you've already died. And, and if you get the kill, it is just so fulfilling. Um, so I've, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, but mostly I've just been playing as Sona and just trying to get my, um, I've got my build pretty well figured out for like the, I, I hardly ever get to complete my build with her, but um, I've really been working on just, um, tightening up some of my weaknesses with her and trying to just refine my gameplay. And so that's what I've been doing um, most most of the last week and having a really good time. So I can't blame you. Sona is so much fun to play. Yeah. And it's it does just, make me... F- Go ahead. Oh, it's she's just so cool because she has those three modes that you can kind of switch between that I just... You know, I love the fact that you can go, okay, shields up and I'm healing or I'm all out offense and buffing all my, you know, my anybody around me, or I'm really fast moving, and I love that you can just dynamically switch depending on what's happening. Yeah. And and I love surprising people by killing them <laughs> with her because it's just so funny to see the... It's really satisfying. Sense, yeah, it's satisfying. You can almost sense the shock on the other side of the, you know, somewhere across the Internet. Someone's like, I just got killed by a support character. And <laughs> yes. I think she's going to try and do it again. <laughs> and I just love that. So, yeah, she's really fun. I'm sorry, we're, what were you going to say? We're actually apparently due to get a support character, a new support character, very soon, quote-unquote. Cool. So I'm excited to see if that support character will measure up to Sona. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously um, Sakura or whatever her name is doesn't. So, yeah. <laughs> and it does, I, I do have to say, it makes me feel a little bit better about my gameplay to hear when people try Kogma and they don't do well with him. Oh yeah. It's, I, I just have an affinity for him, I guess. And I never felt like I had too steep of a learning curve with him. And I think it's just because it's like with certain character types in that game, you're just good with one or the other. And once you yeah. find that, it's like you want to latch onto it. And I was starting to feel like, this is just a fluke. Maybe this character is just super easy and really I just suck at this game. Like I've always thought that I have <laughs> like people are going to play my easy button character. And then it's like, then I hear somebody who's really good, like you Mark or like Ryan who who's been on the show recently, try to play him. Like say, I don't not any good as him. And I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. I guess easy button after all. It makes me feel no. better. Yeah. He's not an easy button <laughs> character. And I, I think that you you are naturally good with him and have a good affinity and you've you know refined your build with him and your gameplay with him to a to a level that's just really you know top notch. So 
Thank it's you. enjoyable. It's enjoyable to have him on my team when it's you playing him, but not <laughs> so much with other people. So <laughs> definitely Thank you. have my share. Although you don't see him played a lot in Dominion, which is like pretty much exclusively the mode I play in. Yeah, it surprised um, me too because he's well made for that mode. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I've seen you single-handedly hold the bottom turret, you know, for most of the game, and you know, the ones that we that do play tend to just die a lot. So <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, that's been pretty much it for me. I haven't, um, I've been working on my own little game a little bit, but I, I don't have much to report yet. So, Oh, sweet. Cool. Yeah. Still at it. I haven't changed, haven't found a new shiny object to pursue yet. So that's, that's been fun. Yeah. That concludes the, what we're playing segment. Next up, we will have a roundtable discussion with two items, I believe, unless Noah yes. has more surprises to throw into the mix. No, no more surprises, unfortunately. Our first um, roundtable topic is interesting, almost because it was set up so perfectly last week by Jason, who announced that He's really digging this console gaming thing, and he's kind of at the point where he doesn't know that he wants to continue trying to keep up with the Joneses um, by constantly having to upgrade his um, PC uh, gaming um, system, which Jason has always you know, said, hey, you know, if you're not upgrading your gaming system like every year to six months, you know, you're you're kind of failing and you shouldn't expect games to not run like total crap for you and be limited in what you can play. So he's always kind of had a kind of a hard hard line view of it, but realistic some would say. Um but to hear him say, you know, I'm kinda of tired of doing that and I I'd really think I'm getting all my good gameplay experiences with consoles it was kind yeah. of a shock to me because he's just been such a hardcore PC That's gamer so for true. so long. Um and so what's interesting is then there's started to become a whole slew of um, reports coming out of Kotaku and The Verge and Game Rant and Giant Bomb and all these other sites about this um, possible Steam console that um, Valve was talking about putting out, which which went really well with a previous story we had kind of talked about where Gabe Newell had said, hey, we're not ruling out hardware. Um, and Which then was out of nowhere. Yeah, just out of nowhere. It's like, well, I wasn't asking you about hardware. <laughs> I was just, you know, wondering if you were going to continue to, you know, augment Steam's library or whatever. But, but you know, I mean, it was just kind of a crazy out of nowhere thing. Then there was this um, patents were revealed for this seemingly, a you know, a console controller by three people from um, Valve. And the the um, the patent is in the name of the Valve company, so it's not like some kind of you know sideline you know activity that these guys were doing. Um, and it all started to kind of come together. Then there was like some pictures of this um, Alienware um, 51 box. It's like almost a set top box, um, you know, and just a bu- and, a, and then like a prototype um, that Valve may have. I've had um, for some use and all, all this stuff just started to come together and it was like painting this interesting picture. And I was talking to a lot of people, um, you know, Dan and uh, Bob who were on the show uh, a couple weeks ago 
about it. And, and it was funny because we were all just, you know, hypothesizing, well, what would this console be like if, if Valve did it? And most everybody agreed except for me that it would have to be Linux based, kind of like an open platform, kind of like the, um, you know, Android is. Yeah. And that they would have to port their entire library over to it. And that, you know, they could use some, they could use some existing, um, you know, libraries like the Wine Library, which allows you to emulate Windows on Linux and some other things. But, you know, I was, I would, I was just like, oh my God, I can't imagine the, that undertaking. I think they would figure out a way to, to license Windows as part of the cost, you know, or some kind of um, trimmed down version, kind of like the way the Xbox 360 works. And everybody said, but what? Well, why would Microsoft do that? They'd be competing against their own console. You know, and it went round and round. And then there was a, another um, article that came out that basically said, hey, it's going to be a console that just runs native, you know, Windows games. And I was feeling really good about that. And then today, the, you know, the, the, the whole, the top of the story was kind of ripped off and exposed to be just a bunch of hype. And there's... They're still not ruling out hardware, it sounds like, but, you know, nothing in the immediate future. Definitely not trying to present a, a, a Steam console for, you know, GDC or E3 or anything like that. And it's it seems like the community just got really excited over, you know, not much. I don't know. I, I, what are your thoughts, Noah? Were you, were you kind of looking forward to something like this, or were you thinking all along it wasn't... Uh, Realistic. What do you think? I took it at face value because I was like, wow, holy cow. If it had come out, if the rumors had come out without that preceding comment that like, well, don't say that we would never make hardware. If we ever had to make hardware, yeah, we would from Gabe Newell. Yeah. To this, I'm like, I'll be damned. There's like a freaking patent here with illustrations of a controller that you can hot swap between control pads and analog sticks and track balls and uh which is something that other video game console manufacturers think Sony also had a similar patent for a PlayStation controller. So I was like, wow. And I, I kinda thought I, I thought that's cool because it's like I've already bought way more games than I'll ever play on Steam and it's like cool, I could actually transfer this. And I started to imagine what would my little entertainment center look like with a little steam box down there? And what yeah. would I be using it for? And how are they going to solve the whole keyboard and mouse question? Is is that controller going to be sufficient? And then I even asked some gamer friends at work. I'm like, well, what's your opinion about this? And the response I got was like, well, if they can, if Valve, who's shown success at creating a really effective online software marketplace, can standardize, PC gaming to, to in some way because that's always been one of the biggest challenges for PC gamer developers is that games have to be developed for a wide range of machines right. or a constantly moving tech target at least. My buddies are just like, yeah, this would probably be good, and it's like, wow. And so I was ready to say, well, we'll probably they're, maybe they're showing it at GDC in private right now, and the cat's out of the bag, but we'll see it formally announced at. E3, and maybe that's why we Half-Life 3 has still not been talked about, because Valve's been putting a lot more work on this console, 
and then the console will launch, and Half-Life 3 will be a launch title with it, and it just all really makes sense. And then this Lombardi dude's like, no. (laughs) Yeah, we've looked at that. Yeah, we worked on that. We're just working on this big picture thing, which is a way to, I guess, play computer games on your regular television, which is kind of halfway to making a console. Well, that's, you know, and that's kind of the the ramifications, I think, of a console or, you know, a standardized platform coming from somebody like Valve. It would be, it would standardize PC gaming. At least that would be one spec people could, or developers could say, hey, you know, and they had talked about what it was, you know, probably going to be. It was like eight gigs of RAM, an i7 processor, and you know, some kind of NVIDIA video card, and you know, and, and you know, whatever the standard Realtek or whatever, you know, audio card and um, network interface, right? And it would be pretty standard. It'd be pretty easy to to say, wow, we we build our game to work on this spec and run well. We've we've got a huge percentage of um, you know, of the the pie the pie graph for um, the the PC gaming industry covered. You know, it would have been it would have been a really cool idea, and I don't see that it's not impossible. I mean, if you look at like kind of the the open standard that the Android phones are, right? I mean, you have this Android OS, and then every single person that sells an Android phone adds on all kinds of different things to the the um, interface to the phone. And in fact, a lot of Android users or owners actually prefer to have a phone that's way closer to the reference model than the ones with all the, you know, all the different stuff added on because sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Um, but, you know, somebody could actually kind of do something like this, like Alienware or Dell or whoever could say, look, this is like a standard gaming system and we've worked with, um, you know, Steam or something like that to have this big picture thing so it's got a menu and we've we've just added on all these all these different overlays onto um windows to make it a set top box that you can navigate around with a controller or what you know it, it's definitely something that could be done and it doesn't even have to be by um valve or you know for a steam console that just the idea of it is i think pretty fascinating um well do you think that gaikai or on live are kind of in this territory already? Well, they are, except that it all gets, you know, played out in the cloud and it's not local, but definitely it's the same kind of a thing because whatever their virtual machines are that are running the games on in the cloud, you know, are a standard, right? I don't know how they, I still, my mind is boggled by the technology of how they get those frame rates and the latency low enough to actually make it playable. But, you know, in a way, they've standardized everything too, especially Gaikai with the hey, you can just play it in a web browser. You don't, you know, you don't even have to have a de- dedicated piece of hardware mm-hmm. or you know a system that can run this certain application. You can run it in any of these four browsers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, in a way, that's it. Seems like it's kind of happening one way or the other. Anyway, it's an idea that's almost too good to pass up. I think, and now that people have started to put a lot of brain power into well what would this you know ultimate steam console be like i think maybe somebody could sweep in and go hey let's just build something like this you know and maybe it has all these other cool things um you know like a marketplace for apps um 
that you know that we've seen with Xbox Live and that we've certainly seen on the um, mobile platforms um, and, and PSN or whatever. I mean, you you could definitely do something very similar, and I don't know why you wouldn't use Steam because it's it just works so well. But even if you wanted to do your own thing, kind of like the way um, Amazon has done their own you know their own Kindle tablet where they have their own marketplace with you know utterly horrible um, contracts for anyone that actually develops for it, versus using like the um, Google um, App Store. Um, you could do something similar for PC gaming. You know, EA has that kind of streaming thing. There's Direct to Drive. There's Steam. It, it seems pretty doable. So I, I think it's a fascinating idea. You couple that with some really cool hardware for to make it a couch um, experience with the big picture kind of idea versus you know a, cons- a traditional um, you know PC that you sit in front of at a computer desk. And I think you've got something there. So. Even though this might have been a total adventure and hype <laughs> based just on that controller, that is legitimate. Um, the idea, I, I don't think, is going to go away. Yeah, and I wonder, some of the analyst or editorial speculation about this device was that it was Steam trying to be proactive in preventing Apple from gaining a stronger foothold and Living room gaming. I did see a bunch of stuff on that. Yeah, like Apple TV and everything. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's possible, but TVs are intrinsically not touch screens. Right. So I'm not sure how immediate that threat is. And the the Apple doing something strong in gaming that's not tied to an iPod or an iPhone or an iPad has been talked about for years, but has yet to materialize. Maybe we're going to see that this year with the Apple TV, but I don't know. I don't really know what to think about that. Yeah, I don't either. I, I don't, I don't know that I see them going in that direction, you know, I, but who knows? I mean, one of the things when this um, initial announcement kind of came out that, hey, we think Steam is working on this console, I was quoted as saying, wow, well, when I heard about, um, you know, that Valve was releasing Steam, I thought it was an idiotic idea. And look at me now, right? I'm, <laughs> I have like all these, I, get, I only get games through Steam. But when I first heard about it, I was like, great, because all I want to do is download the two games they have, which at the time was like, you know, Half-Life 1 and something else, you know. I was like, that's great that they've created this gigantic overblown digital distribution platform for their <laughs> stuff. You know, and I thought it was moronic. And I, was I remember just, you, know, you saying that years ago. Yeah. Remember? I was just mm-hmm. like, like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I don't understand who would ever use this. And now it makes so much sense. It, they were so wise to do what they did to put all that effort into it and and it's it's definitely my preferred way to to um get my games and to play them and i love what it does to the drm and it's you know it's a brilliant idea and you can put in serial numbers from games that you didn't even buy from steam and then still be able to get them and i mean it's awesome what they've done with it um so you know if i were going to trust anyone to develop a pc gaming console it would definitely be them um 
So I don't know. Hopefully somewhere in their back pocket they really do have an idea for this and they are working towards it and they're just being coy right now. But mm-hmm. kind of doubt it. But you know, it would be it would certainly be cool. What do we have in other stories for tonight? Well, the last story that we have relates to Blizzard's latest attempt to self-correct or improve <laughs> its fortunes, I guess. I don't know how you'd like to spin it with a new initiative to reduce the attrition in its player base, which has been steadily declining for the last two or three years. It's a resurrection card or scroll of resurrection. Scroll of resurrection. Yeah. Which, so let's see what, just to go through some of their ploys, there was the free to play up to level 20 thing. Yeah. There was the, we're going to, if you get a year subscription to the game, you can get a free digital copy of the non-collector's edition version of Diablo 3, which nobody wants. And what else? <laughs> it seems like they did something else, too. Um, well, first it was play up to level 10 free, and then it was play up to level 12. Oh, that's right. Right, right. Yeah. So then they went just totally crazy with this latest one. Way so, over the top with its I mean, city, quote unquote. Yeah, and I, I think the things that are that are kind of concerning to those who maybe are currently subscribers are just the ramifications of what this is going to mean for um, pickup groups. Um, because so basically, here's the deal: if you're a current subscriber, you will get these scrolls of resurrection, which I don't fully understand how many you can give away a day but it sounds like you can do at least one. Um, you can give this away to people who were former players, and it will give them... Um, they oh they had to have had an account and been subscribed for at least 30 days at some point in time. If they accept, they get a free week of game time. That doesn't seem like much. But then they get a free upgrade to the digital version of Cataclysm, which... I don't know if I read it if I've read it right, but it sounds like that includes all the other previous expansion packs too, just to get you there. I mean that's how it loads when you load it. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't come with you know, the 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 other stuff, but if it does <laughs> that's pretty that's a pretty bad deal for those who you know, like me who have bought these expansions, you know, um as they've come out. But mm-hmm. this this is the best part. You get a boost for any one character to take them up to level 80 so that then you can work through the Cataclysm content that goes from 80 to 85. So imagine, if you will, the scenario <laughs> <laughs> where... Uh, so how, what was the max level you got to, Noah? Was it like 20, 30, something 26. like that? 26. Okay, so so what if I like send this to you and and you instantly take your um your belf up to um level 80 and then you start pugging and you have like not played the game in years and you <laughs> never actually did any of the like really hard instances or you know ne- never went through any of those crazy encounters and stuff mm-hmm. and you're like signing up with the wonderful matchmaking system to pug with people how how popular would you think you would be at least until you L two L two P'd, not uh, not popular at all. Right. I uh, mean, 
I'm sure the, the the WoW community will come up with some kind of derogatory lead speak name for these people who get smurfed up to level 80. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause that's what it is. It's like, yeah, there, there's gotta be some kind of, it's not like a twink really. It is kind of like a smurf thing. It's, I would almost call it like, I don't know what the hell you would call it, but it's definitely going to piss people off. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and I'm, you know, personally kind of like, wow, you get, the expansion for free, and I'm still not sure if that doesn't mean you get um, the Burning Crusade and the the uh, what was the other one? The Frozen Throne was that, or what was it? The Wrath of the Lich King. Wrath of Rath- the Lich King. Wrath Rath- <laughs> of the Lich King, as Jason would say. And you know, do you get all those? Do you get do you get upgraded all the way through Cataclysm um, and oh, Seven? No. Days of free gameplay, or do you just get cataclysm? I don't know. Um, but if if you do do this, and if the person then actually plays or subscribes for um, resubs for at least thirty days, I think it is, then you get an exclusive faction mount, um, yeah, which is a spectral one. A spectral, depending on whether you're horde or alliance, you get a. Spectral Wind Rider or a Spectral Griffin? The see-through, um, sparkly blue version of those creatures. Which, to me, just reminds me of Wonder Woman's Invisible Air <laughs> 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 Wonder Woman! <laughs> My mount's invisible, but I'm not, so really it doesn't buy me much. But, you know, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the deal... And I don't know, it does seem like it's desperation in some ways, you know? I mean, it's... I, What's I, interesting I, is the promotion only lasts for 90 days, and then after 90 days pass, you can still hand these Scrolls of Resurrection out, but all that it gives is seven free days of game time. So it's some kind of test that they're testing for marketing reasons or whatever reason, how effective this is for 90 days. And it's probably going to determine for them their next business decision with world of Warcraft. Right. Releasing mists of Pandaria, of course. And, and that's the other thing is I wonder if, I wonder if Blizzard has already realized, you know, now that they're fully invested in this Pandaren thing, that the, the, the user the user base is not really universally inspired by the, the 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 idea of reliving Kung Fu Panda. Um, you know, I haven't seen real. I have not talked to anyone who plays WoW or has played WoW in the past, nor have I read any articles where anyone is just really excited about this expansion. I mean, I was excited about every previous expansion. For for different reasons, for you know, depending on what the expansion was going to bring. Yeah, yeah. But I was excited about every single one of them. I was looking forward to it. This one, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even planning on resubscribing because of this expansion. Certainly not buying it. Oh, sad panda. Yeah, I am a sad panda. But yeah, <laughs> I'm, I, it's just there's nothing compelling about it for me. There's no, there's no upside to it that I can, I can think of. Superficially, I kind of look at it. I guess this isn't a really accurate comparison, but it kind of reminds me of Wrath of the Lich King in that it's adding in 
a single uh, race or character type on one side. Although you could play a Death Knight as either Alliance or Horde, which I thought was really weird. Right. Um, but yeah, this is like the positive side of a Death Knight. You're getting the Pandaren. Although Pandaren have more than just one class. They're not just a class. They're a they're race. race. They have their own little area. A huge new continent. Yeah, and you get the monk class. Yeah. Which yeah. I I don't know. Well, as this editorial says over on One Up, it's a, the it's a Blizzard's, great editorial. Yeah, it is. It's uh, what's it called? So that in case listeners want to search for it, it's called Op-ed. Blizzard's latest attempt to lure back World of Warcraft subscribers reeks of desperation. And I, I like how near the end, the author notes that Blizzard has still over 10 million subscribers, and it's not like. They're going to go free to play soon, but I don't know, which made me laugh. <laughs> but right. uh, like, I don't know. This kind of feels like the first step to free to play, more so than any of the other initiatives that have happened. Oh yeah. Oh, and by the way, this was sent into us by Jason. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Jason is here. In spirit. Yeah, spe- as a spectral mount. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for some lucky lady. Uh, <laughs> his wife but uh, (laughs) mounts for gold (laughs) but yeah it's um i don't know it's like so yeah the combination of this and there's just the universal apathy (laughs) directed at the upcoming expansion makes me wonder if they're like you know the excitement around this pandaren thing is just not not really there maybe we should just you know i don't know instantly level their characters to 80. <laughs> why not? Yeah. Why, why not make everybody 80? Why, why limit it to one character? Just make everybody 80. Because having a Death Knight just start out at level 60 is not enough, but we no. should just, you know, no one needs to get that character up to 80. That's what this is all about. They're just, this is targeted specifically for you to get you back. And if only you played the level 80 contents, you would see how much more awesome this game is. Right, especially if you, without having played the game for years, were suddenly moved up to level 80 and thrown into the game with all kinds of different abilities that you never had. <laughs> and, exactly. and, and no gold, really. And to... No gold and, and gear that's going to be, you know, pretty damn uninspiring. I believe you could become very popular as a pug member (laughs) (laughs) could only be allowed in pugs of other fellow right or whatever that's right yeah yeah it's like only the smurfs are allowed to uh to pug together (laughs) in fact they should put like some kind of symbol over your character's head until you get to 85 that's like like a a crutch or something to show that (laughs) (laughs) you're just not quite legit (laughs) Why do I have a crutch over my head? Well, I don't know. Ask yourself that question. Oh, yeah. I know why I have a crutch over my head. Darn it. <laughs> Much as in real life, I I got to where I am without doing anything legitimate. <laughs> I'm the Frank Abagnale of, uh, Abagnale of uh, MMOs. I'm an imposter. But I don't know. I'd be interested, though... Our listeners have sometimes surprised us. I'd be interested if there's a listener out there that's going like, 
what the fuck? This is awesome. I can't wait to get to level 80. Me and my friend, we're going to game this system and get these great level 80 characters. Yeah, every seven days, we'll just eat, we'll, we'll cancel and invite each other or something like that. <laughs> because somebody who already has a level 80 character would be eligible for this. Yeah. And they could take another character to level 80 if they wanted to. And I don't know if that's who this is more targeted towards. Is it targeted more towards people who have never been to level 80? Or is it targeted more towards people who have been to level 80 but didn't want to invest the time to grind another tune up to that? I don't know. I, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try and invite my account that got banned and see if it somehow flips the switch to unban it and get me back in as a level 80. That would be really hilarious if it worked. I doubt I it. That it's, it's rather subversive. <laughs> it is. Well, that's that's... I've been reading all these books about hackers, and I was just talking about Frank Abagnale from Catch Me If You Can, and I'm reading all these books about people who like game the system of life. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll try try and <laughs> game Blizzard because of their own desperation. So I don't know. we'll see what happens. I'll report on it if it works. Excellent. <laughs> Listeners, that wraps up our episode 189. We hope you liked all the stuff we talked about. We talked about more than we even planned because of my nefarious evil doings in the introduction. So both Mark and I are being unpredictably evil. Yes, <laughs> that's right. We're, we're using it to, to different ends. We hope right. you like the show and uh, tell us what you think about it. Leave us a comment or send us an email. Yeah, or give us a review on iTunes. Remember, it's not really whether or not you like us. It's just the number of stars or your passion about how you feel about your point of view. So just give us the five yeah. stars and tell us what you think. Or if you don't <laughs> want to say anything, just give us the five stars and say it rocks. That would that'd be good. <laughs> they just um, write themselves, don't they? Yeah, you know, it's cool. I, I, I've noticed, too, that um, our podcast has been around long enough now that when you Google Channel Massive, you get, like, literally a page of stuff just for us now, which is <laughs> kind of funny because remember back when we first started, it was like you had to really be selective on how you searched for our website to even find it, and now you just can't not find it. So I think that's kind of cool. But it does feel good. If we get more good reviews on iTunes, that'll happen on there as well. So that, that's that's our hope. When we get more listeners, the more listeners we get, the higher the quality of the show, of course. And the more magic. And the more the more magic, yes. And the more level eighty characters for everyone. More sparklies for all. <laughs> more League of Legends strategy. Or no no. Oh wait no 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 no, back. no 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 no. Just kidding. That's a different podcast. Warcraft for 10 years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.